0: Let us pray together. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Your Word is living and active. Your Word is alive. Therefore, Lord, I pray that today You will bring Your Word into our mind, into our heart, and speak to our spirit so that, God, our hearts can be encouraged, our hearts can be aligned to Your hearts. And I pray that God will keep us awake physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally so that we receive from You. We thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please be seated. We'll continue our series on uh, this book called First Kings. The First King. We talk about the good old days. The king, uh, can you remember the good old days? Who is the king that we talk about? King Solomon. Okay? It was the height of the empire of Israel. Then, we talk about God, uh, the King Solomon built a temple for the Lord. But God said, actually, I, can, I want to live among you. And Jesus Christ is the, the te- temple of God that comes down. And then last week, we talked about the fading of a shadow. We talked about the King Asa. Okay, King Asa. This week, we're going to talk about another king. King Ahab as well as uh, uh, the prophet that God has raised, uh, Elijah. Elijah. You see, in our life, it's full of decisions. Full of decisions. Small decisions, big decisions. Some decisions doesn't matter. Like this morning, what I eat for breakfast. It makes no What you eat for breakfast or what you wear. Maybe to your boyfriend or girlfriend or the person you're on that track. Maybe there is a, a, a big thing. But these are decisions that doesn't matter. But some decisions matters a lot. Who you marry matters. And if you are British citizens, last week, your decisions matter to vote whether the Britain to be part of the European Union or not. And that decisions, because majority say they're going to leave, affect the whole world. In fact, I read the newspaper. Stock market say they they wiped out the earnings of two trillion dollars. Two trillion. trillion, I don't know how many zero. Two trillion dollars because of that decisions of the people. Then, so some decisions matter. And today, we're going to look at how God raised up a man called Elijah, challenging the people of God to make the proper decisions. And I believe also the same decisions for us today, to make the right choice about who you are following. Let me give you a background about where we are so that you give you a context of the story. First, if you look at God's dealing with His people, at the beginning, God created heaven and earth and human beings. But they turned astray and God have a plan. God's plan is going to raise a nation, a people, after His own heart, the people of Israel. So He called the Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you, and to you, bless the nations. And then the people of God went down to Egypt, and then they were in bondage in Egypt. But God led them out of bondage from Egypt back to the promised land. And at the promised land, they were led by a group of leaders at different times. They are called judges. judges. And then finally, they came together they form a kingdom where there's a king. It's called the United Kingdom. Can you remember who is the first king of Israel? King Saul. Second king, David. Third king, Solomon. They were a united kingdom together. And at the height was King Solomon. However, King Solomon, I've mentioned two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, how he led the people astray. He led the people astray because of his heart for women. And the people worship other gods and God's judgments have to come upon the land. So the land, there was a judgment. The land was, was divided. The kingdom was divided. They're divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom is called Israel. Okay. The northern kingdom is called Israel. And then there is a southern kingdom. It's called Judah. But again, the people refused to follow after God and God's judgment had to come upon the people, and then the First Nations, Israel, was exiled and left behind as a surviving kingdom called Judah. But again, Judah didn't listen to God, they didn't follow him, they pursue other god, and then they were also exiled for seventy years into captivities. And then after seventy years God brought them back again, as restoration to the land, and after that the Lord Jesus Christ came. So this is the background. Last week, we talked about King Asa. Where is King Asa? King Asa is the king of the southern kingdom or called Judah. Okay? He started well, he didn't end well. Today, we're going to talk about another king. It's called King Ahab. And during the time where there was a prophet called Prophet Elijah, he's talking about the northern kingdom. northern kingdom is also called Israel. So you get the story. So now, If you have the Bible, uh, you can turn to 1st King, 16. Let me introduce to this guy called Elijah. Elijah. Next. Elijah was mentioned many times in the Bible. Many, many times. But there were little information about his background, how he comes, he comes suddenly, he also lives suddenly. But what we know is that here was a man who knows his God. A man of courage, a man of God. In fact, his name means Jehovah or the Lord is my God. A man who knows God Himself. Very dear. But the Bible also described him as an ordinary man. A man with fear, a man with weakness, a man with worries, a man also concerned about his mortality. But yet he was a man raised by God for such a time to confront the people of God, to come back, to turn their heart back to Him. So I'm going to read right now from uh, King Kings 16, next. In the 38th year of Asa, the king of Judah, that is the southern kingdom, Ahab, the son of Omri, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he reigned in Samaria, the northern kingdom capital over Israel for 22 years. Ahab, the son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered as trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom, son of Nebat, he also married Jezebel, daughter of Abla, the king of Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar of Baal for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria, Ahab also made an Asherah pole, and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. First King chapter one to First King chapter sixteen. All together, there were nine kings, both in the north and south. Out of these nine kings, come some were good, some were not so good. And then the northern kingdom, which is the Israel, the, the it's called Israel, you know how many good kings are there? Zero. None of them follow God. None follow God. Southern kingdom, some are good. And out of the northern kingdom, those who did not follow God, who is the worst? The worst is this guy, Ahab, next. King Ahab. He is the worst. Why? Later we will learn more. He is the one who brought a lot of idolatry to the the land. You see, God is a God who makes a covenant with His people. The covenant is this. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to guide you. You follow and worship me because I know what's best for you. I created you. I want to bless you. You follow me. Don't pursue other God. And also, you obey my commandment, all the morality God desires, how His people to to live like. But if you disobey me, you go and follow other gods, and if you go and disobey my commandments, you will suffer the consequences. There will be judgment in order to turn your heart back. And people of Israel at that time, Ahab is the one who led the people away. Started from King Solomon, led the people of God away. And you know why King Ahab is so evil? Because he married the wrong wife. So guys, choose your wife carefully. Next. He married this lady called Jezebel. Never marry a Jezebel lady in your life. Why? Because she is the one who corrupt the king. She was reared in Sidon, a commercial city uh, in the coast of Mediterranean. He married Ahab, King Ahab. I believe most probably it's a political marriage. But he didn't, she didn't come alone. She came with her gods, Baal and Asherah, a Phoenician god. She came along and then she is the person, you see that Ahab is the king, is the head, right? Jezebel is the neck that twists the head here and there. And she influenced the kingdom, influenced the king until the prophets of God who want to lead people to worship God, this queen Jezebel slaughtered them, massacred the people. So guys, choose your wife carefully. Make sure a wife who follow after God, not a wife who will turn your heart away. Vice versa. Ladies, choose your husband carefully. Choose a husband who will stand for the Lord, not like Ahab, who just been led astray, he still follow. And the gods that they follow, next. First, Baal. Who is Baal? Is said to be the god of the nature. And it's a god of sex, a god of productions. And the worship of Baal involved temple prostitutions. In other words, you go to temple, instead of singing, you have sex with the temple prostitute. That is considered as worship. No wonder it was so attractive to the people. And it also involved child sacrifices. The people that to sacrifice their child to please this particular god. But people do it. Why? because in hope of the blessing that they're going to receive from Baal. Next will be Asherah, Baal's so-called wife. She is the goddess of love and the goddess of war. Through their mystical unions, sexual union, their so-called, they can provide rejuvenation to the world and the fruitfulness. These are the gods who vow, who, who... vying over the hearts of the people of God. I was thinking, why? Why the people of God go and pursue these gods? Why? Because on the surface, it looked attractive. They want babies. They want to have fun. They want fruitfulness. So they worship this God. And through the various actions, it looks interesting. But at the same time, back of their mind, somewhere hidden, they are still worshipping Jehovah God. So they are on both sides of the coins. How about today? I believe today is the same thing. There are many things. There are so-called many soul-called gods vying for our minds, vying for our hearts. Some of them offer you some good things, which is good, but demands a lot of price. Some of them are good things like your family, relationships, your work. These are good things, but make you turn it into become the ultimate things that leads you astray. So the people of God, they worshipped these two gods, Baal and Asherah. And as a result, God gave a judgment on them. The first judgment came, was there was a drought. So God raised up Elijah, he went to the king. He said, three years, there will be no rain. There will be drought, there will be famine. True enough, there were famine. But the people did not repent. After three years, Elijah, very brave, went back to the king. Next. Let's look at 1st Kings chapter 18 verse 17 to 19. When King Ahab saw him, Elijah, he exclaimed, "Is it really you this is after 3 years?" So, "It is really you. You are the troublemaker of Israel." Elijah replied, "I have made no trouble for Israel. You and your family are the troublemakers." You have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and worship the images of Baal in street. Now, summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Queen Jezebel. Three years later, Elijah did something very brave. He had to go back to the king and say that famine will end. Instead of repenting, King Ahab, what did he do? he pointed to Elijah. You are the one who caused this drought. So you are the joker. You are the troublemaker. But Elijah turned back and said, I am not. You are the one that led Israel astray. Let Israel astray. And sometimes God is, could bring so-called troublemakers into our lives. Why? To turn our hearts back to God. It could be a voice of a good friend who dare to come and tell you, Bro, if you continue to doing what you're doing right now, you are going somewhere that's going to be tough for you. Or sister, I think this decision you make, it is not appropriate. These are voices that God has put into our lives. Sometimes uh, they are not voices. Sometimes there are circumstances. Like for them, it was a famine. For us, some circumstances, it could be a sickness, it could be an accident, it could be a mishap, it could be something happening in your workplace or in uh, in your school that turn things around to draw your attentions these voices to tell you where your heart is, and then Elijah gave them a big challenge. Next, so Ahab sent words throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets of Mount, on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, "How long will you waver between two opinions?" If the Lord or Jehovah is God, then follow Him. If Baal is God, then follow Him. Choose one. Choose one. Don't limp between two. The word uh, wavering is the word like limping in terms of, it was a picture of birds. So-called limping from one branch to another, not sure which one to land. So, Elijah is telling the people, decide today. Don't sit on the fences anymore. God is confronting His people in the same way. Today, God could be confronting some of us today. Don't limp anymore. Don't step on both sides. That's what Israel do. They want all the benefits of Baal and Asherah, but at the same time, on the other hand, they still want to hang on to God, hoping that Maybe there's additional insurance. God say No. Either He's a true God or He's not. If He's not a true God, don't waste your time in the church. Don't waste your time. But if He's a true God, then we'll waste your time pursuing other things. There's no good for you. There's no such thing as casual Christians or there's no such thing as half pregnant. Either you're fully pregnant. Or you're not pregnant. You don't go to someone and say, I think I'm half pregnant. There's no half pregnant. So either you're for God or you're not for Him. We have to decide today to put God as real. So the question now today for us is this. Some of us might become a Christian for so long, sometime, or new Christians, or yet become Christian. You look at the teaching of the Bible. You look at the teaching of Jesus Christ and say, wow, very difficult to meet. I don't like this. I don't do this. Oh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel that. Way. Hello. Either Jesus rose rose from the dead to prove that he's God, or he is a fake God. If he's a fake God, then don't follow him. But if he's really a God who died and rose again from the dead, he is Lord. It's not a question whether it's not a question whether your feeling towards that that this teaching, but whether he. Is He really who He claimed to be? The God that is alive, the loving God. If He is, then treat Him as such. Treat Him as Lord of your life. Don't do nothing. You know what the people did? Nothing. They say nothing, they do nothing. They refuse to make any decisions. They are still toggling. Why? Maybe they fear of losing out. Maybe they don't want to be the minority. They don't want to be the the odd one out. Maybe they feel that, I think better be secure, better have both. They don't want to miss out. Next, Elijah have this challenge now to them. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophet left. Actually, he wasn't the only one, but he felt that he was the only one. He thought Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves. You choose first. Let them cut into pieces, put it onto the wood, and do not set fire on it. I will prepare the other bull, put it on the wood, and not set fire on it. You call upon the name of your God. I will call the name of my God or the Lord. The God who answers by fire he is God. Then the people start to respond, ha, 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 what you say is good. Why now? Because there's some tangible proof, better assurance. Now they begin to uh, so-called respond. Elijah is putting himself on the disadvantage. Why? First, the place, Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is between between Israel and Phoenicia. It's also the sacred dwelling, dwelling place of the god Baal. So, it's like you have the home court advantage. I give it to you. Secondly, the God Baal is the God of nature. A God who controls the rain and lightning. Therefore, He can provide fire easily. So I give you whatever the home court advantage. You do it. Next. So the people, the prophet of Baal, they came together. First, they begin to cry out. And then they dance. Morning to afternoon. No response. And Elijah tried to be cheeky. Elijah began to mock them. You know what Elijah responds? Cry louder. 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 And next, he said, maybe your God is daydreaming. If you have the New Living Translation, the next thing he said is, maybe your God is in the toilet relieving himself. He got excuses. Then next, he, he mocked them some more. Maybe your God Is away on a trip, business trip on a trip. Or maybe your God is asleep. No response after dancing. Then the people begin to cut themselves. They cut themselves to get the attention of the God. Blood came out. And they continue to call and call and call. No response. Next. Then Elijah responded. Elijah called on the people. He said, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord. They had been torn down. They took twelve stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold three gallons of water. He piled the wood on the altar and cut the bulls into pieces and lay the pieces of the wood. First, he repaired the altar of the Lord. Why he need to repair Because the altar has been neglected. The people wasn't worshipping God. They were worshipping other gods. They were not used. Then he rebuilt it. He used 12 stones. At the time, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, right? Northern kingdom. But he put 12 to represent it's a united kingdom. What is the altar? Altar is the place where we meet God. Altar where we place where we look for God's acceptance through a sacrifice. Altar is the place where we acknowledge that this is the God. But the altar of Israel was neglected. Today, I want to ask you, you have the altar of your heart. Is the altar of your heart the place where you meet God? Has it been neglected? I'm glad you are here today, not elsewhere, to worship the Lord. That's great. That's great. But sometimes you want to ask yourself, do I prepare the altar of the Lord that I regularly, on a daily basis, to meet with God, so that I remember who am I, whose am I, and who God is, that I will follow Him? Prepare the altar of the Lord to meet Him. And then Elijah put himself on further disadvantage. He he took four water. Uh, he took uh, four water pots. Then put water all over it three times and all together there were 12 barrels of water, watering the whole place so that it's fully wet so that he can really say, it's not by tricks that I cre- created some fire somewhere. So he put himself on a further disadvantage and guess what? Next. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel or Jacob. Let it be known today that you are the God in Israel, that I am your servant. And I've done these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. You, Jehovah, are God. And that you are turning their hearts away, a heart back to Him. It was a short prayer, but a powerful prayer. First, he acknowledged who is this God. God of the past, God of the present, God of the living. God has always been faithful to the people of God. And the purpose of his prayer is not to show how great he is. What's the purpose? For God to demonstrate his power? What? So that the people will know Jehovah, the Lord, is God. And he is the one who's going to turn the people back. Why was Elijah so confident? He was so confident because he knows God. Deep in his heart, he has chosen to follow God. And he knows God, and he experienced God. And therefore, he's not afraid to stand up. Stand up for God. He did not waver. And guess what happened next? The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. The wood, the stones, the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this they began to respond they fell prostrate and cried the Lord or God he is the he is God the Lord Jehovah he is God finally they responded but again if you read on further down, it is just a superficial response deep in their heart there was no change later they still go back what is this fire this fire of the Lord i believe this God this fire of the Lord represents His presence represents His judgments, represents His love. Let me explain. First, the fire of the Lord represents presence. If you look at the people of Israel when they are wandering in the wilderness, in the daytime, pillar of clouds led them, representing God's presence. And then at night, there was pillar of fire representing Him. God coming down, God reaching out to them. It also represents God's judgment, why? Because the people are turning away to other gods, God has to judge them, turn their hearts back again, and guess what happened after this the The people gathered together they they slaughtered four hundred and fifty of the prophets of Baal. It was a serious thing. why? Because God is the God of judgments at the same time he's the fire represents He is a God of love. How does fire and love come together? Because if you look at, if you look at um, in the book of Exodus, it said that Jehovah God, He is a jealous God. Jealous God? Yes, jealous God. Why? What motivated His jealousy? His love. He said, these are my people. He considered them as his bride. These are my people. This is my bride. I care for you. If anyone wants to snatch you away, I cannot stand there do nothing. I will protect you, my jealousy, because I love you enough. I want to gain you back. And you know what? In the Song of Songs, three of these words came together. Fire, love, jealousy. Let me read to you. Put me in the seal of your heart, as a seal in your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as severe as shoal. It its fleshes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Three things come together. Why? Because God loves you. Karen is my wife, if you do not know. My lovely wife. I love her. I care for her. If I, but if any of you try to be sneaky, get too close to her, physically, and try to do something funny? Do you think that, hey, Chimeng, be more magnanimous, be more kankai, kind of, be more, it's okay, it's okay. No, I would not say it's okay. My love for her, I will be jealous. I will say, hello, what are you trying to do? Put your hands away. And move two feet away. Why you keep on calling my wife? Why do you keep on tweeting her? Why you keep on uh, posting uh, onto her Instagram? What are you trying to do? my love for her will provoke a jealousy to say that, get off. That's what God did. These gods are turning their hearts away. These are God's people. God is His, the people of God are His bride. And therefore, the fire of the Lord have to turn these people, these other gods away because He cares for them just as much more than I care for my wife. And some of you may be thinking, oh, how nice if today God were to do the same thing. The fire of God come. To show to the world God is here. Let me tell you, He did. The fire of the Lord did come. It come. In the New Testament, you see, there was another Elijah who came. Who is he? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Let's look next. In Luke chapter 1, verse 17, he, referring to John the Baptist, will be a man in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the glory. The miracle of the New Testament is not that the fire from heaven came down to burn a sacrifice, but rather God Himself came down and be the sacrifice for you and I. That is a greater miracle. The fire of the Lord, God came down, the presence of God, God with us, Emmanuel. The judgment of God, punishing sin, was fell on who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And then the love of God came down in the fire. Jesus Christ loved us enough to die for us. That's our God. That's a great miracle. And we see that. 2,000 years ago, at the cross, the empty tomb, Christ rose again from the dead. That is why the challenge is also today for us. How long will you waver? Stop wavering. Stop thinking about today, do I speak the truth or not? Or today, should I come to church or should I read the Bible? Or today, should I um, be godly or not? No need. It's already decided. This God came down for you. How to know? What are other things that are drawing atten- attention? What are other false gods or other gods? Next. How do you know the true God? First of all, the other gods require strenuous efforts. But the true God accepts us by grace, just as we are. The other gods require dancing, just like the prophet Abel, dancing to please them. And that's how this operate. If you obey Well enough, then I will accept you. Look at the various religious gods that we have. They will say, have you obeyed the commandment? Have you danced hard enough? If have, then I will accept you. What about the secular gods today that cry for our attentions? They are just as demanding. Some of these could be popularity, money, or beauty, demands that we dance to them like a slave. For example, if money is your god, You will dance like a slave in order to get to the right school, get the right result, to get the right job, to do enough hours to get the right promotion so that you can fulfill it. If beauty is your God, then you will dance literally so that you will feel good about your body. If popularity or acceptance is your God, you will dance before the circle of friends or people that you are trying to please desperately to gain their approval. You will also dance but the true God accept you as you are by grace. How can this be happen? How can this happen? Because the next point, next, the other gods will mutilate you, but the true God will mutilate Himself for you. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophet of Baal. First they dance, this, and after that, they slash themselves. They slash themselves because dancing wasn't enough. And sometimes, we do the same thing also. If you worship the other gods, if you worship the gods of appearance, people will go to slash themselves to crash diets, to maintain the perfect figure. And sometimes people slash their, their family by overworking Away time away from the family in order to gain the extra acceptance or money. We slash our soul by compromising our integrity to get people's affections. But today, I want to refer you to the true God, the true fire of the Lord, who mutilated Himself for you. This fire is the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples of Jesus Christ didn't get it. They were preaching in the town of Samaria, in Luke 9. And the people rejected Christ. You know what they say? This is what they say to the Lord Jesus Christ. Should we call down fire from heaven like Elijah to show them that you are are the one true God. That's what they say. But they missed the message. The fire of God, it's already here. That's who? The Lord Jesus Christ. He was the fire. He was the sacrifice. He received the fire of God's judgments. He took our place. Other gods say, dance for me, slash for me. But our God, the Lord Jesus Christ say, I will be slashed for you. And I will bleed for you. Lastly, Last, next. In light of Jesus being the true God who died for you, we should worship Him wholeheartedly, not half heartedly, not sometimes, but all the days of our life. Not when you are young, not when you are a young adult, or when you are older. Don't think about the future, don't think about the past, think about all the time follow Him. Because why? He is a true God and He died for you. No more wavering to and fro. Decide today who you should follow. So I'd like us right now to bow our heads, close our eyes in a time of prayer. I'm going to have two challenges for us two invitation today. Where you are in the spirit of prayer, ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me? The first group will be, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ today. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ today, you have been to church, but you have not known Him or accepted Him into your life. Today, if you want to invite him into your life, I give you an opportunity later for you to indicate your desire, and I'll pray with you. That's the first group. The second group: you have been a Christians, maybe young, maybe older. You have been a Christian for some time, but maybe your heart is fleeting, is is wavering. There are other gods they are taking away your time your attentions and today you want to make a commitment say yes Lord today I want to come back to you I want to make you choose to follow you wholeheartedly the rest of my life so that's the second group so today let me go back to the first group if you, you want to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Saviour. Can you please raise your hands? Anyone? Just raise your hand if you want to make the Lord. And I'll pray with you. Anyone? Let me move on. If you have been a Christian, but other thing is taking attention of your heart. But today you want to rededicate and say, God, today I make you as the Lord of my life, I'm not going to waver anymore. If that's your heart's desire, I also invite you to raise your hands and I'll pray with you. Anyone who want to stop wavering but to put Christ as the key person of your life? Anyone? Yes. Yes, I see your hands.
1: Anyone? Yes.
0: Yes. Let us all rise as we pray. Let's pray together, Lord. You see the hands that have been raised, you know where they are, Lord, how they have wavered. Other things have come, take away their hearts, take away their attentions. But today, Lord, thank you, thank you that God, your fire is a fire of love, a fire of your presence fire that took our punishments I pray that God you come into their lives right now as they make a decision desire that God I want to follow you today to make you Lord to make you King I pray that God for these who raise up their hands that God nothing else will take their attention away but you Lord today they will not waver anymore but you be the Lord of their lives you be the center of their life Rebuild the altar of their hearts, Father, as he dedicated to you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. So those of you who make the decisions, if you want, I invite you to come forward as we sing a closing song. Come forward so that we can continue to pray with you. Those of you who want to dedicate your hearts to the Lord, please come forward as we sing this closing song.
1: My reward and all my devotion. Now there's nothing in this world that could have satisfied. Through every trial, my soul will say, No turning set free. This hope will never fail Heaven is our home. Through every storm, my soul is sick Jesus is here. To God be the. No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning. I've decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning.
0: altar is also open to pray for those who are sick if you are sick or you have loved ones or friends who are sick they can pray on their behalf in proxy after the closing prayer please come forward the elders will come to anoint you with oil and also to pray for you or for the people that you are praying for It is open let me just close this time in prayer our Lord Jesus Christ thank you Thank you that you are a God who danced for us, a God that was slashed for us, a God who bleed for us, and you are a God who loved us. We thank you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. And I pray that today, help us not to waver, not to waver between two gods, but to fall our down on our knees and follow you and you alone because you are the true God who died for us. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for meeting with us in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. May I invite the elders to come forward and those who are sick. I want to pray for the sick. Please come forward.